I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Mesut Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am much, much better for seeing your wonderful face, Mesut Kwonga. How are you? God. So yeah, deal with that. <laughs> it was when I say it, I mean it. I mean it. It's very gloomy. I'm in the UK at the moment. It's very, I mean, gloomy metaphorically and gloomy literally. Spiritually and actually, yeah. um, well. But yeah, it's very gloomy outside and there you are, well lit in a lovely hoodie. Listen. Been lit since seventy nine. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that your, your Twitter profile like, bio? No, I'm good. I'm good. Just chilling out in Berlin. Um, bit of just podcasting, me? Me? Bit of writing. Just, just chilling out in Berlin, doing a bit of podcasting and some writing. What do you know? Yeah, nothing too exciting. Um, actually, wait, no, no. I'm getting started on um, a little series based around the upcoming World Cup. Oh, yes, you with are. Some, with some themes, yeah. Ringer.com forward slash soccer. The first piece will be up some point next week. So look out for that, please. I should probably try and at least play a supporting role of some sort in the writing on the uh, Ringer website, but we'll see. I wonder if they'll accept 800 words on Gavi not tying up his shoelaces. Oh my God, that's overdue. From you especially, they'd, so they'd take that for sure. I'd love to read that. We'll see. See if I can stretch out. Maybe it's, that's one of those, you know, sometimes there are, there are, yeah. there are pieces that should have been a thread. You know, like this, this meeting could have been an email. This piece could have been a thread. No, but some <laughs> things need to be codified. Like, you know, there are certain things where they just need to be set in stone. Like mm. they're a law. Like there are certain, you know, like when you watch certain footballers and you can tell from their body language what kind of game is happening or like their position on the pitch. So we've always said like, you know, Modric passed, Modric in the final third, Real Madrid are having a party. You know, you, you just know it's one of those things. It's, it's an obvious thing. But it's one of those things you can see. And Gavi shoelaces untied. There's like a Gavi index. Like if the laces are untied, certain things are happening in that game. Anyway. You're so right. Any other admin? Uh, obviously, there was no Wrighty's House this week. So if you haven't seen Wrighty's House pop on your feed, up, 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 up on your feed, that is why Ian is in New Zealand and was literally in the air so he could, he mm. could do a podcast. Wrighty's House will be back next week. That is a man having a lot of fun. He's also working very hard. Yes. Bless him. Yes, yes. But um, that's everything. Apart from just, we hope everyone stays safe and well. Yeah, yeah. Always. And the flu jab if you need it. I wonder if I qualify for a flu jab. Can I get one? I think we're both due a jab of some kind at some point, aren't we? It's been a while since we got the booster. What, like a punch in the nose? But <laughs> <laughs> due a jab since 79 in that case. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Look at this guy, everyone. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the Women's Champions League because the group stages began this week. We're actually recording this on Thursday morning, mm. so ahead of Thursday night's game. So we're only going to talk about some stuff that happened on Wednesday, but pretty historic. We will also talk about the Premier League, most notably Manchester United against Spurs. And I think we'll probably go long on that game mm. because it felt kind of symbolic. Yeah. We'll wrap up some of the results. There were a few games in La Liga, there's midweek games in La Liga, there was some Copa Italia stuff that we're going to probably not bother with this week. Mm. DFB Pokal, which kind of went as you thought it might, apart from Hoffenheim absolutely hammering Schalke, which meant that um, Frank Kramer lost his job. Not unfair, I think. But that Derek Ray made a very good point. The Schalke squad is also... A bit threadbare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the most battle ready, I would say, for the Bundesliga. It's a tough all-round, mm. really. Tough time at Schalke. Um, and I reckon that'll do us for today. So it's going to yeah. be... 
pretty, pretty breezy, Musa. So yeah. should we get into it after this? This breeze. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, man, Champions League returned. The Women's Champions League returned. Got to start with the headline fixture. We have to. The defending champions, Leon 1, Arsenal 5. In Leon, I don't think in their wildest dreams, with all the injuries which we'll go into in a little bit, I do not think anyone would have expected Arsenal to walk away with a 5-1 win. It's, it's extraordinary. Let's not pretend that this was ever something that anyone saw coming. What can we say? Maybe if we're looking at how to explain it after the fact, Beth Mead's role and the intensity, you know, if, if there's any sort of common thread, if there's any common thread between this result and some of the most startling results we saw at the Euros, it's the intensity of the pressing that comes from the front. And Beth Mead is a key part of that, a common element, right? So if we're trying to like maybe explain it after the fact, we have to look at that, I think. Mm. Um, because Leon aren't expecting to rush them. They're not expecting to rush them. And I think rather like Norway, where Norway had this incredible attack, but the base, uh, the base of midfield, because a lot of talk about Norway's defence in that Norway game, but the base of midfield is the place they targeted. You target the spots, you target the base of the playmaking. In this case, you go right at the centre-backs. You don't let them play out. You give them no respite. And that's kind of what Arsenal did. They just had joy time and again. And when results like this happen, it's easy to blame the complacency of the team that gets beaten. Mm. But I think we need to praise Arsenal, actually, because this was a, a thrilling glimpse of what could be to come for them. The main call from an Arsenal point of view was Viv Miedemar being on the bench. Yeah. And this is something that's been maybe a little bit of a talking point this season with, mm. with Viv's continued role to drop a little bit deeper. Sometimes, she's, she, occasionally she's played up top. Which we've talked about this before this season. Yeah. But with Stina Blackstenius there, who is so good at breaking into space, I mm. think it was quite a smart move from from Jonas Edeval. And I'm not sure if it was by design or by necessity because Miedemar injured her, her hand in, in the Reading game. Mm. But like she was moving it quite gingerly. Mm. But I think for this kind of game where, before the game, I think you'd imagine Leon to have a lot of the ball to be quite high in, you know, or like pushed up quite high. You'd expect to be defending in your own half quite a lot and therefore potentially a lot of space in behind to counterattack when you need to. Mm. So therefore, the front three of Caitlin Ford, Cena Blackstenius and Beth Mead is kind of ideal for that really because they're dynamic, they're very, very mobile and they're yeah. strong on the ball. Right. Like I say, whether it was by necessity or by design, didn't doesn't really matter. It just worked out pretty well for Arsenal. And then you have the luxury of them bringing on Miedemar in the second half when you're three goals up. Mm. And it gives you a little bit more solidity to see the game out. I think it's I thought it was quite interesting that in terms of actually the way that the game played played out, you know, Leon did have way more possession than Arsenal. Mm. Actually created a lot more. Arsenal was just basically more efficient with what they created. Tested Christiana Endler like way more than Zinsberger got tested. And when Zinsberger did get tested for Arsenal, there was it kind of led to the goal really. Mm. There was that one thing where it kind of I think I can't remember who headed it, but it was like off the bar, Zinsberger kind of got a flick on it and then it dropped to Melvin Mallard just in the six yard box. And it was a little bit of a scrappy goal for Leon, but I think it was kind of fair. I think they deserved something from that first half an hour. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that centre back pairing though was not the most not the most robust. You've got Wendy Renard in there and then you've got Sunbath alongside her. Mm. It was really under significant strain. Um, and it felt to me like Leon did deserve a goal, but also there was an element of this like Wolfsburg-Chelsea tie that I keep thinking about when Wolfsburg just went with Tabea Vasmuth up top and just raided that back four, that back line. And it wasn't so much that Leon didn't deserve a goal. It's that every time Arsenal came at them, they looked quite brittle, mm. if that makes sense. So it was... How do I say this? It was like they kind of got the game they wanted, Arsenal. 
You know, like Black Stenius, mm. we saw her for Sweden, obviously in the Euros, like really impressive in the early stages when England were quite rattled and she was at the heart of that. And again here, and what you mentioned about that front line forward Black Stenius, Mead, when you're going forward as Leon, you know that every single time that, that, that front three is coming back at you. And yeah. 90 minutes of that front three having good looks at you, it doesn't, that front three doesn't need 20 looks at you yeah. to get match-winning goals. I think this is the key thing. And we've talked about, you know, we've talked before about teams that are shapeless, uh, that tactically don't have that much shape, but it's where they play and the combinations they make on the pitch. There's also teams that like concede possession because they get the game they want. They're happy with 30, 40%. And I think that was Arsenal last night, to be honest. Mm. Pure efficiency. Yeah, I think so. I think that the great thing is that, well, I think we, we've talked about Caitlin Ford before about just being, being such a problem because she's, she plays with such a high intensity and whether that's in at a directness yeah in a directness and I think you saw that from from like all of Arsenal's goals were very they came from a directness even mm, even yes, Ford's exactly. second really in a sense like it was a different kind of goal but Ford's second goal where she just the ball drops to her outside the box she just looks up and just pings it exactly this straight in. exactly this yeah yeah, yeah. But in the first half it was like this I think it was the second goal from from Frida Manum mm. came from uh, Stina Blackstenius just taking a shot yeah. but, but it was very much just like bear down on goal bear down on goal but it just felt like Arsenal were were kind of bypassing midfield a little bit too easily I was going to say the lack of match control from those three in particular Van der Donk I was surprised mm. that midfield three what Haran, Henri and Dedonk, Van der Donk is it's pretty formidable right but they were chasing the game a lot of the time which is a bit of a surprise. I mean, but if you do, if you're going up against Kim Little, Frida Marnham and Leah Volti, which is that's just... not a clown show. That's, in terms of ball-dominant centre midfielders as well, that's a pretty pretty sturdy lineup and, and, and a lineup with good... That, that Both midfielders, I thought, had great technicality, great physicality. It was just that Arsenal punished the Leon backline a little bit more than Leon managed to punish Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering Arsenal, who they're missing as well, that's impressive. Exactly. Well, on this point, Sophie Lawson wrote a tweet, which I think summed up the, the, the absences really well. She said, um, Arsenal being without Leah Williamson and Raffaella is a stinger, but Leon lacked Carpenter, Hagerberg, Mbok, Debritz, Marajan, uh, Macario, Cascarino, Madri, and Giles for, the in, for, for this. Mm. So Even a team like Leon can't do without those. That's a lot to bear. But even, even with all of the the absences it's the first time that Leon have well first of all it was the first time Leon had ever been more than two goals behind in the Champions League since 2009 it's the first time they've ever lost a Champions League game by more than one goal since 2009 wow and they lost by four you know this is the thing about this result unfortunately like this is why Leon have to be upset and concerned because these are the kind of things that take away your aura people are going to start yeah. trying their luck now I'm not saying that Leon won't return to form when they get players back but that is an indelible result. People are now going to start trying their luck. Mm. And this is the thing. If we've seen anything about the history of the recent Champions League, it's basically like, stay woke or get rushed. Like, you look at that <laughs> final and they, Barcelona, they didn't stay woke and they got rushed. I'm really intrigued to see how Juventus go at Leon now because in this mm. group, because yeah. I'm not entirely sure of the time frame on the injuries. I think Juve can kind of mimic what Arsenal did. And you have to capitalise on those absences when you can because you don't know how, how tight this group is going to be. And I think this is, the, this is, for Arsenal, I don't think they would have maybe had this down as an away win. Mm. And so, I, I mean, I said before the group, I thought that they'd get out of this group anyway. Yeah. And I think now, just the importance of them topping the group comes into play because this is such a good start for them. They have to make sure that they don't stumble in in a game that they should be winning. Mm. How do I say this? I don't love this result for Leon, but I love it for the Champions League, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just in terms of like a result this early in the tournament, and then it will give people a sense that, oh, there's maybe something we can do here. Yeah. Elsewhere, Barcelona. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, we need to talk about this game. When so, you see defensive midfielders that hard the pitch and having that much fun that early, like Kajara did, you know it's going to be a long day. Okay, so Barcelona beat Benfica 9-0 wow. at home. And uh, we saw the back-to-back -back Ballon d'Or winner, 
Alexia Puteas. Queen Alexia in the, the crowd, game. just looking down on her subjects. She's oh, <laughs> oh well-deserved second Ballon d'Or. But, uh, <laughs> we didn't even mention guest Mead in the previous. Incredible, incredible one. scenes. For those who don't know, uh, it was a photo. From the France football, the France football Twitter. Was it Viviana Miedemar and a guest? And a guest. You know, the guest that won the second, got the second place in the Ballon d'Or. But anyway, Barcelona were just so good. Uh, Gajaro opening the scoring in the first minute. Uh, Bonmati getting the second after about a quarter of an hour. And Assasat Oshuala. Oshuala with, with a, an absolute, having got the first two assists. And can I just say, actually, Oshuala's assist for the second goal is one of the most unselfish things you will see anywhere. Ball gets crossed so in. Good. She put it, could have put it into, an, she would have been stretching to put it into an open net, but instead she nodded it back and then went off the pitch so she wouldn't be offside and waited for Bonmati to side foot it yeah. in. It was you know what this reminded me of, you know, if like someone's going in for a layup yeah, and then they just actually throw it back for an alley-oop. Don't. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. It's so unselfish. And I saw that and I thought, Barcelona are ready. They are ready. They're so ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're ready. They're, they're angry. They want it with everyone. They want yeah. smoke. Yeah. Poor I, don't, I, don't, I think that, I think they literally want to beat everyone 9-0 all year. And Benfica caught all that heat. Poor Benfica. Poor Benfica. Man. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in the group. Bayern beating Rosengor 2-1. Impressive from Rosengor here. Really impressive. Um, I, I was impressed with them actually. Dalman popped up the winner and she's had a really great start to the season. Um, but they were, they were really, really, you saw at the end, like even among the fans when they were like saying goodbye, like the real sort of mutual respect between Norwegian and German fans. It was mm-hmm. really good to see that actually. Um, pushed them hard. But you know, everyone's favourite troublemaker, Lena Magul, not troublemaker, as in like she's not troublemaker, but like in terms of like, you know, <laughs> chaos maker, everyone's favourite chaos maker. Chaos Lina agent. Magul. Yeah, chaos agent. She was... Um, if Flo Lloyd Hughes was excellent. a football, a professional football player... Oh my God, without question. Yeah. In okay. fact, my favourite football interview would be Flo Lloyd Hughes interviewing Roger Stanway and Lena Magul. <laughs> that would be my favourite, like road tripping, just if they went from Bayern, if they went from Bavaria to like an away game, and she just spent a day with them. I, that would be my favourite football feature, I think. I mean, that Bayern midfield of Lena Magul, Zara Zedritzel, and Georgia Stanway is just mega fun. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? It can go deep, actually. Mm. But we'll see what they do. I was surprised yeah. they got pushed that close. Um, but that's a really, really good team they've got there. I mean, just keeping pace with Barcelona, that's all they need to do in terms of points. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I do think the games between Barcelona and Bayern will, will, will be the decisive ones in that group. Um. Juventus beating Zurich 2-0 in Zurich, kind of as expected. In that group, Arsenal top, Juventus second, Zurich third, Leon bottom. And then tonight, we're recording this ahead of Vlasnia against, uh, against Real Madrid, Wolfsburg against Poulton, PSG against Chelsea, and Roma against Slavia Prague. And um, on the Chelsea thing, we just want to send all our love out to Emma Hayes, who last week had emergency his- emergency hysterectomy because of endometriosis. Yeah. She's taken a little bit of time away, but she'll be in full contact with the squad and watching on her feed and stuff. But yeah, much love to Emma Hayes. Get well soon. Can I say also amazing that she speaks about that? Yeah. Really amazing that she speaks about endometriosis, like just to sort of put that out there and people can really, I mean, People talk about raising awareness all the time. It can be a cliche, but this is really, a, this is really something that deserves so much more awareness. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really, really important, actually, that people are more aware of this condition and yeah. it affects so many women. And yeah, I just think more people should be aware of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a break and then let's get into some Premier League. All right, man, to the Premier League. Yes, my goodness. Quick roundup. Brighton nil, Nottingham Forest nil on Tuesday. Crystal Palace beating Wolves 2-1 on Tuesday as well with a lovely goal from Wilf. Zaha. Um, it means that Patrick Vieira is the most winning, winningest, winningest Crystal Palace manager since Terry Venables. What? Yeah, apparently wow. it's the first time that a Palace manager has won or drawn more games, won and drawn more games than lost after a certain amount of games than Terry Venables in, which is wild. That's wild. That also tracks considering the style of, and to, do, to have done it in this league, yeah, in a league this competitive is really, 
and the way he improves players. That's the thing about Vieira that really is exciting, right? Palace are fun, man. Yeah, yeah. Palace are really fun. And I think that if they continue to sign as smartly as they have done in the last 18 months and just invest here and there when they need it, Mm. not too extravagantly, but when they need to, they could really, they, they could, the problem is that the gap between the top six, quote unquote, financially and the rest, plus Newcastle now with their with the new ownership, mm. it's it's pretty big, and there is a lot of it's going to be really really hard to get in there. But I think if I don't know, man, I just well, this is the thing. Look at it differently. Deep runs in the Conference League, mm. year after year after year, with big victories over key t- over like big victories or draws over the top six and then like pick up points against everyone else and just do that year in, year out. That's a really, that's a, that's a great season tickets worth. That's yeah. a great, imagine that. You, if you get that, if you could get that every year for the next like five years and know that's roughly what you're going to get for your season ticket, which of course you never can because it's football and it's unpredictable inherently. But that, that would be unbelievable as an offering, especially the kind of football they're playing. And look, we said this a thousand times, but it's worth restating. How many times have we seen teams don't have the most resources, have a talismanic player and not diversify away from them. Mm. And the fact that like Palace have done that, that Vieira's done that and diversified the play- playmaking function away from Zaha so he can just go and be chaotic and do his thing. Not chaotic, but you know, really just great chaos. It's, it's really special actually. And yeah. maybe it gets slightly overlooked in the league because there's so many other great coaches there. But I, th- I think he's getting his props now, but it's just worth restating. It's worth restating. Uh, Chris has Southampton who beat Bournemouth 1-0. Lovely header from Che Adams and Southampton really needed that result. Yeah, Bournemouth been on a really good run as well. So that's a really good result. First defeat as Gary O'Neill took charge. Yeah. Really impressive run from them. But yeah, I mean, they've they've made such progress under him already. I think they'll, you know, we said before, like I just can't imagine them getting dragged back into that relegation scrap. Mm. Such as the, has been the rapid response to Scott Parker's sacking. Liverpool beat West Ham 1-0. Darby Nunez with another goal. So he's doing all right. He is. I hit the post as well with a spectacular strike. And good response to the weekend. You can see it falling into place for him. He just needs to stop stop forcing it, actually. I think he plays like he's auditioning for the job. Yeah, and he needs to understand he's already got the yeah, gig. Yeah, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah you're the guy. Like, yeah. just go and make your work. And I think you can yeah. see that in him, actually. It's coming. And look, yeah, it's, I really, I, it's a lot sorry. of money they paid for him. So of course he would be. Yeah, it is. There's going to be a lot of pressure. I really liked Allison's interview after the game when he was just talking about like they keep him close and they, how they look after him. And he kept calling him a boy and he was just like, sorry, not boy, man. I'm just getting old. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Newcastle beating Everton 1-0. Uh, unbelievable goal from Almiron. He has been on, on roll, one. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. He's been on one recently. He's been, he's been amazing this season, man. Hmm. Right, he doesn't give out flowers for no reason. No, absolutely. Put it this way, you get called out because Almiron's name being used by Grealish at that point was maybe the most high-profile use of his name, if you think about it in context. That was, yeah. That's pretty brutal. If you think about like, the amount of people paying attention when Grealish said that. At that specific moment. Exactly. Time, yeah. exactly. So for him to like produce what he's producing now, I'm just really happy for him on a personal level, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was another... It, like The goals that he's scoring are all really good as well. It's yeah. like... And he, he, he had that really, really barren run, right? Yeah, when yeah. He was, at, not, was it either when he just joined Newcastle or? Didn't they all, to be honest? Yeah, true. Brentford, Chelsea, nil-nil. This, but this was a great game. He's auditioning for that. He's auditioning for the number one role. He's definitely auditioning. I mean, he's got it, I think. His last two performances, his last two outings have been sensational. Mm. Really There's have. a weird thing in this game, though, that it felt like, because I was watching... I was kind of watching three games at once. Watch the first half of this and then watch the Man United Spurs game, which we'll talk about while, while also watching the uh, Leon Arsenal game live. But the Brentford Chelsea game was one of these really odd rarities of games where both sides felt like they were hanging on for a good hour of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite, an, I mean, it was a mega good game. Like a mega good, that's not, that's not real English. It was a very fun game to watch as a neutral. Um, and I think, to be honest, not a bad result for Chelsea because Brentford's have been tricky at their place. Yeah, no one's laughing at that Arsenal 2-0 now. No one's laughing at it. It makes a lot more sense in context. I think there were a couple of moments of better decision-making that maybe meant Chelsea could have taken the lead. Or even, even, there was one where 
where Brozier kind of held onto the ball for way too long, but still managed to, to square it. And ha- but Harvard's by this point was kind of a little bit on his heels. Yes. In the six yard box. And if he stuck a leg out, it would have been a goal. Yeah. But also Brentford had some really good chances as well. And yeah, I think all in all, probably a point was, was probably fair. Yeah. 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 A little, yeah, probably fair. I mean, Thomas Frank and Graham Potter did a little brief Q and A, like question, like they asked a question to each other before oh, the I game. They were both that. interviewed. It was so good, man. It I was really that. good. Very wholesome exchange between those two. A lot of respect, which I like. We said this a thousand times again, but like the quality of the coaching is really something. Yeah, you turn up and you're just seeing. This is the thing. You watch the Premier League and you're just seeing. Sounds like an advert, doesn't it? But that just the ideas when you really see people like thinking and like outthinking. I just I love to see that. Yeah. There's so love much tactically interesting stuff. There you go, everyone. Love to see it. Who's Okwanga? Loves to see it. Loves to see it. Uh, speaking of good coaching, shall we turn our attention to Old Trafford? I think we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manchester United 2, Tottenham Hotspur nil. in what was described by John Champion as... A statement victory. <laughs> for Manchester United. <laughs> Manchester United who have beaten... Arsenal, Liverpool, and now Tottenham Hotspur at home this season. Mm. Spurs, on the other hand, have lost away at Arsenal. They drew away at Chelsea and they lost away at Manchester United. Where would you like to begin, Moose Hawkonga, being the Manchester United fan of this podcast? Um, I suppose where to begin. So 2-0, both goals coming in the second half. And the overall thing I would say was, this is very possibly Manchester United's best 11, best starting 11. So then we got a good look at what Ten Hag's ideas are, what the future looks like. And I think for everyone, and particularly Marcus Rashford, I think it's very exciting, actually. Really exciting. I just felt that Manchester United had great match control. That was helped in large part by Spurs sitting so deep, but also credit to that midfield pairing of Fred and Casemiro, which was outstanding. Casemiro giving Fred the platform to thrive. When Fred is hitting shots with either foot, and playing his reverse passes just in his bag. Like you see the player that Pep wanted to sign. That's the thing. And you, Fred is such an interesting barometer for Manchester United's form, how the team is playing generally. When Fred is thriving, the team is thriving. It's hard for him to thrive, I think, in a bad United side. Um, we saw again Anthony pulling players out of position. So I was going to make a joke. Are you saying Fred is the interest rate of the Manchester United? Yes. Yeah, he should be like an index. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. The Fred index. Yeah. The Fred index. Should be. Um, and just United seemed to have a really well balanced midfield. No coincidence that Bruno looked happy as well. So they did look good, man. Yeah, just no notes really, other than those. Those are the sort of headline notes. But yeah, other stuff to say, but that's the main. I was going to say, all right, then, take. well, in that case, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll be back on I just thought, I actually really thought the Spurs started the game okay. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, moments in that opening part of the game where it felt that Spurs were, it was really weird. There was, there was maybe like a minute or two where Spurs looked super good with the ball. And Benton was like, going higher up, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 it, and there was a vibe being like, okay, I think Spurs, Spurs mean business here. And then very, very quickly, Manchester United seemed to wrestle back control of the game and the ball and seemed to just, I'd, I felt like I changed the channel by right. mistake. And I'd watched, uh, and I, all of a sudden I was watching a different game because mm. it was corner after corner after corner and Manchester United just had Spurs penned in and they couldn't really do anything about it apart from the occasional break where Harry Kane dropped in, would ping a ball out and then they'd break and they had a couple of speculative chances from not long range, but not exactly really, really high percentage chances. And I think the Man United fans deserve a lot of credit for this this season is that, you know, I was at the Liverpool game and I was at the Arsenal game. The atmosphere that they managed to generate in these big games has been massive. Mm. And it can be quite overwhelming for players because it's a big cliche, but there was this, you know, this wave that you could feel sometimes with those vintage Manchester United teams or vintage Manchester United moments. I know it's a massive cliche, so apologies for sounding that way, but it is a real thing. Like it is a, there are moments when you just feel like, yeah, we're not, we're not really getting out of this in a good way. Mm. And I think it has felt like quite a while that Manchester United has been able to generate that atmosphere. Mm. There have been little peaks, there have been little peaks here and there through very, very specific games, but I feel like 
it's happened too many times this season now to be a fluke. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it happened really early. Like as soon as, the, and it, as soon as it felt like Manchester United were in control of the game, the noise just ramped up. Yeah. And Lloris was having to make saves. He made a couple of really, really good saves. He yeah, made a couple of saves that you'd expect him to make. A couple of clearances here and there. A little bit of, I wouldn't say desperate defending, but definitely last ditch. And I think the only surprise for me was that Manchester United didn't take the lead in that first half because they would they would have deserved well, it. Well, that's the time. thing. The quality of opportunity they were making was really impressive. The yeah, kind so of saves they were the, forcing Lloris into was really, really something that I was I was impressed by. And I think that's actually quite, that would be really, really encouraging. The game that you win and you create good chances, but you still could have done better in front of goal. I mean, they've, they might have chances. They, they had 28 shots in this game. Here's something I want to talk about, actually, very briefly. Manchester United have been trying to play Eric Ten Hag's way, sometimes with disastrous results. They tried to play his way against City and they got destroyed in the derby. But actually, that is a result, as horrific as it was, that it may be regarded in the grand scheme as, as part of the plan. Not, not because he wanted to get beaten by that amount. He didn't. It's that he wanted to play a certain way, but didn't have the tools to do it. Mm. And so when you remove Ericsson and put in Casemiro, and, and this is a bit of a cliche to put it this way, but it's like Casemiro is the holding midfielder and Ericsson is, is the placeholder, right? Because what, what Ericsson does when he plays out, the changes of direction of pass and switching play, those are things that Casemiro can do, but Casemiro wasn't match, match fit. So in the time being, in the interim period, Ten Hag needed to have someone playing the ball out from the back in unusual ways, switching the play, because Casemiro is not just a defensive midfielder, he's someone who actually sets the tempo from the base. And it was amazing when you watch, I think it was at Fred, when Fred's goal went in, you saw Casemiro fall to his knees, and it was like, that's how much it meant in terms of, because he'd set a lot of that in, in motion, like way back up the pitch. And it was really interesting watching. Casemiro was just like, it's just like playing for the national team. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, it's, my boy, exactly. It's like, so now you see, what, this is the thing. It's almost like now you see what's capable of. So to, to give Ten Hag credit, he's, there's been a consistency to how he's been trying to make the teams play, his team play. Mm. But now that he's got all the players pretty much in the position where he wants them for now, at least, we're seeing the, it's the old cliche, we're seeing the philosophy actually. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, it, I think it, you, it's really, really hard to implement a style of play when results aren't going well. Yes. But also I think that in the long term, those opening few games for Manchester United were massive because it gave, um, it essentially gave, uh, it essentially gave Ten Hag a mandate. Yes, it did, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because it was absolutely. like, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. I've done what you want. doesn't work. Right. Now we're doing it my way. And each game there has been signs of progress. I mean, the, the Manchester Derby was a difficult one. Mm. It was a really difficult afternoon. This felt like, okay, now this is the first real glimpse Mm. it's kind of like to use an analogy it's like up to this point it's felt like things are being modelled in a lab and this was the first test run do you know what you I know? love that you said this um, because there were glimpses of quite exciting things so the first thing of course we talked about Casimir and he was, he was brilliant um, there were just so many moments where he stole position in, he, he stole the ball in like certain positions and this is the thing he knows when to sweep and when to make the first tackles. So you know, like those centre-back, those centre-back partnerships, generally you've got one that like sits and sweeps and the other one that makes the first tackle. What mm -hmm. he's brilliant at is going in high up the pitch and stopping the attack, but also like when to just stand off the play and just watch. He's really like his, just watching him and his timing and his understanding of the flow of the game. I mentioned before the way he switched play. There's one moment where he gets the ball and everyone's expecting him to go right and he goes left, switches mm -hmm. it left. And then the, the whole focus of the attack shifts and it's unconventional and it's unpredicted and it's brilliant. But the yeah. one, the one person I really want to mention in this the performance of Marcus Rashford. Yes. Okay. So we were talking about like, you know, in the chat about like, you know, the next thing and the number nine, what Marcus Rashford showed us, if you had to look at a, a Harry Kane type performance, right? If you see that there were, there were three or four moments in this game where Marcus Rashford was inches away from a headline performance. So the through ball, he tries to play the crossfield pass, which was so reminiscent of a cane, uh, which is called back for offside, which Bruno puts in. Um, 
then there's a moment, a brilliant piece of pressing where he, he complains about getting a corner, even though the ball comes off him. And a lot of strikers jog back up the pitch, but he wins a throw in a few seconds later on the right flank. And I'm like, Rashford's locked in. Then he mm. cuts inside, brilliant low shot, great save from Loris. There were so many moments where I was watching Rashford and going, you're playing like a proper nine now. Mm. And that, that uh, performance from him will maybe go slightly under the radar, but in terms of what it showed his potential as being and where, where how Ten Hag seeks using him, it's unreal. And there's a lot of talk about like they should have played like different strikers or a different finisher. No, like that's what Rashford gives you. That's what he gives you in a two, a dominant performance, the way he led from the front, his pressing, his energy, his movement, his vision. Like I just thought there was so much in that game, which I looked at and thought, see that right there, that is a future England number nine. When it all comes together for him, his technical ability, his touch, his finishing, when it all comes together for Rashford, and it doesn't have to be that long, he's going to be extraordinary. I was really excited by it. I thought he was great, man. And I yeah. think that, I mean, we talked earlier on in the season about how Martial looks like the, the most key piece that Ten Hag needs in a striker for, to really play Ten Hag ball. Mm. But I think what Rashford has done is that I think Rashford has kind of switched on to, I don't want to sound like dramatic, but he's kind of switched on to the threat a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. know what I mean? And he's taking his, he's taking the, the opportunities or he's, he's not taking them all because I think he's, there have been, I don't think this has been a, he hasn't been on a mega consistent run, Marcus Rashford. Mm. But there have been glimpses in this one. I think it was, it was quite impressive. I just think because he has all the attributes to be a super mobile, super dynamic, super technical. And like, he is not a small lad either. And like, let's throw this into the mix as well. If you've got Martial in the picture, you basically have what? You've got Sancho, Martial, Anthony, and Rashford. And you've got that rotating cast. And we look at and the depth. The and you, yeah, you hang on to them. Hang on to them all and just have them play interchangeably because the way they play, you then allow them to be explosive. You allow Rashford to go over to the right and then you allow uh, Martial to sub in for um, Sancho in the inside left position. And then you've got Luke Shaw's playmaking and passing. Luke Shaw, some of his passing last night was was spectacular yeah i think i think luke shaw's been great man for a while and just low-key under the radar yeah i think manchester united really really missed him when he wasn't playing left back mm. like really missed him i no, i agree i agree i agree and that pairing of martinez and varan i really like it yeah i do actually i think they've settled down now yeah it's a big pk mascarano dynamic isn't it it, it? it's it very is much but, but you know no, but that, that, was, a hell of a, that well. was a hell of a pairing. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, the thing. Exactly. In terms like, of the dynamics and the, the skill sets, the attributes, and he, to be honest, even the variations in form. Because yeah, yeah. Varane has like, you know, PK, love PK as a player, big highs, big lows. And Mascarano was always more steady and had to be because, you know, people would come after him, they come after the height, they come after all yeah. these things. So you have to be a bit smarter, you have to anticipate. Um, but yeah, really, really happy for them both in that sense. They've been playing some great stuff. Uh, the the best thing about this game was Eric Ten Hag after the game was interviewed and he has been in Manchester a grand total of what? Five months? Four and a half months? <laughs> and he's already that. saying dead got, good. Got the accent. Yeah, got the little... He was just like, ah. yeah, this was dead good. Love we it. were dead good. I was just like, yeah, you fucking were, Eric. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> 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 Loved that for him. Just a great win um, for United. Yeah, really, really it great. It was a great win for United. Are we going to talk about Spurs? Because I did a little bit of a... I follow some very, what I would consider, sensible football fans. Um, friends, acquaintances. Who are Spurs fans. And they've been, you know, very constructive in their criticism and very balanced in when Spurs have played well and when Spurs haven't played well. We referenced this before, but in Finding Nemo, when you go a bit past the drop-off and you're into, like, actual fandom Twitter, right? I kind of, I, went, I strayed a little bit too far from the drop-off. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything got very dark very quickly. Oh, no. I saw someone refer to Spurs as pathetic. Wow. A Spurs fan. And Conte said after the game, you know, in the big games we haven't been performing or we haven't been at the level. Now, it's like I said before, I think most of their big games this season have been away from home, right? Let me just quickly get Spurs' fixtures up. 
So yeah, the Man United game away. The Chelsea game they drew, they were 2-0 down. But again, away. And the Arsenal game, away. So that's an important caveat to put in there because you never know, they might torch those teams at home. Mm. But I think it's the overall lack of... What do I say? The direction of travel is not promising. Is that I what you're saying? I, I see. I don't. Th- I think it's the inability to find solutions to certain problems. Actually, watching Spurs in this game, I thought to myself, "This is not an approach that wins the league. This isn't that league. This isn't that league." And this is the level like Spurs have recruited really well, and they put themselves in the conversation. I think, at least for like you know, they put themselves in the conversation. Well, I think. Look, I think Liverpool and City are far ahead. Don't get me wrong in terms of resources and depth. But Spurs have definitely put themselves in, in the conversation for best of the rest, I would say. Certainly with that, with their recruitment, I think that's fair to say. And I saw this performance and thought, I don't think you get best of the rest if you're consistently turning out of this. It's not 1990 Serie A where you draw one on the road and win, your, win, win at home. It's a team because people are disrespectful. This is a disrespectful league, the Premier League, right? People will come at you home, they'll come at you away. And watching this performance, I thought to myself, you'll fall short if you do this. You will get like key victories, but you'll also like lose points in vital places. And this is the occupational hazard. And you saw the way they played. And we've talked before about Spurs needing maybe more creativity and centre midfield and all of that. Um, and I don't want to overstate that too much, but I think there is also a, a question about the approach they're taking games like these, because unfortunately they invited far too much pressure. You know, if you look at like the joy that United had, you look at their second, well, their first goal, they play the ball in front of the box. Um, they kind of did like a cat's cradle passing where they go from right to left and back across and the ball comes back to Fred. And I thought to myself, ah, they're having too much fun, too far up the pitch. This is a team, mm. Manchester United, that could not advance the ball that easily until a couple of uh, games ago. And you're allowed them to do it. Like, everyone should be 15 yards further forward with their pressing intensity. I just don't know why they gave them that space. And I think that's more of a, a question for the, the coaching rather than the actual players because they were obviously operating under instruction. Um, so yeah, I was a bit concerned about the approach that Spurs took against United, I would say tactically. I mean, do you have to worry about them? No, no, not at all. Because the, the thing the third, is, this came third. off the back of probably the their third. best, their best like 45 minutes of the season maybe in the league, I think, yeah. in terms of a cohesion thing, like Matt Doherty coming back in at right back, yeah. I think has been a really good look for them. Mm. He was great against Everton. Um, but also again I think that with I think this is more less about the singular result and more about the the pattern against exactly. the pattern in games of this nature exactly it's just that, it's just um, I'm just saying specifically the approach you take in away games of this nature I don't think that's going to get you where that's not going to get the players and the coach where they where they deserve to get um, and they have Newcastle at home on the weekend so that's going to be a test, I think, with the form that Newcastle are in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to talk about Ronaldo? I actually don't think we should because this just looks like a deliberate, I'm going to make the story about me a little bit here in a game that I've not been involved in. Uh, all reports where he left, the, he'd already left Old Trafford before the final whistle, but apparently his absence was not felt in the dressing room because it, everyone was celebrating and it was quite, quite joyous. And he wasn't a part of that. And I think it's just, I don't know, man. I saw a couple of people on TV this morning just saying how he's a leader. And I was just like, no, he's not. Never actually has been. And I think you're seeing it now because if he was a leader, he wouldn't be acting this way. Do you know who was a leader? When Roberto Baggio got disrespected by all those Italian coaches in succession and he had to go and rebuild his career and he went to Brescia and he went to Bologna and he had incredible seasons and he got his way back into contention for the Italy team. And he was an aging, you know, an aging player and he just had so much humility. And Badger was beloved for that. Absolutely beloved. And the reason it's important to talk about this is just very briefly is that people talk about the talismanic effect of aging players and the great nurse and all the rest of it. You walk into a dressing room and you see Roberto Baggio there and he could be at a lot of other clubs abroad and he's just there and he's playing with you and he's giving you advice and all the rest of it. That is how, that is how you exist as an older player in a dressing room. That is a lesson to everyone. And that, that's greatness. It's not the greatness that fills your trophy cabinet necessarily, but it's the greatness that like people remember, actually. 
in the long run. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure that Cristiano Ronaldo wants that kind of legacy though. I think he just wants numbers. I think, I think he's in for a shock then. I think I think um look, we haven't talked enough about greatness um in this context in abstract sense. But there's the greatness that gets you the numbers and there's the greatness that has leading players of the next generation naming their sons after you. But anyway, I thought Ten Hag handled it pretty well, just completely shut it down after the game. He's like, I'll worry about that tomorrow, not mm. tonight. Should we move on to some other stuff very, very quickly yeah, course, before we yeah, go? Quick shout to Kareem Benzema, who off the back of his Ballon d'Or scored, finally scored a goal for Real Madrid on Wednesday night. All those offside um, goals, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was made three offside, uh, three VAR offside goals for Real, Real Madrid and their 3-0 win over Elche. And when Benzema finally did yeah, score the celebration. after 75 minutes, he yeah. did. He kept doing the square and putting his hand up for offside, which mm. I thought was actually quite funny. Valverde again, Val- with Fede a banger Valverde. from distance, with a banger. That guy. God. Fede Valverde is dropping more bangers than 90s Daft Punk. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh. like oh back, my God. back before they even bothered wearing masks and helmets. Oh. Unbelievable. Can I anyway. say the Uruguay team bus must be one of the most fun places to be at the moment. And Ara- also one of the most ferocious Araujo, times as well. Darwin is in there. He's in there. Valverde. But that is like, that's a vibe. Lucas Torreira in charge of the Abamate. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, Real Sociedad won again. Um, they Looking good. They are looking really, really good. They beat Mallorca 1-0. Uh, Radamel Falcao came back to haunt his old club with a 90th minute penalty to equalise against Atleti on Tuesday. Atleti are... Oof. Sorry, it's just, I'm sorry. I'm, every time I, I'm reminded oof. of his existence, I'm jealous. How do you have a name that cool and look like that? Radamel, <laughs> Radamel yeah. Falcao. It's ridiculous. It's just... So imagine, cool. It's so I, cool. I know, man. I know. It's, it's like... <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, some guys get unbelievable. Oh, goodness. Um... <laughs> We mentioned the Pokal quickly and there was some Copper Tally stuff. And also just a quick shout out for the MLS playoffs. We are down to the quarterfinal stages at Austin FC against Dallas. And it's going to be an El Trafico quarterfinal LAFC against LA Galaxy. Someone, Roger Sherman, actually, uh, of our parish at the Ringer, sent a tweet saying, every time I tune into the MLS, there's a play that is the most, I think, either ridiculous or chaotic soccer play I've ever seen. The most amazing thing was a bunch of people replied going, you understand us. Finally, you understand us. <laughs> MLS fans, hardcore MLS fans. Yes, Roger gets it. <laughs> I loved it so much. I loved it so much. Uh, on the other side, uh, in the Eastern Conference, it's Philadelphia Union uh, against FC Cincinnati and Montreal against New York City FC. I should correct myself, actually, because they're technically the conference semis, aren't they? Because they're going to the finals, conference finals, and then the grand finale. Um, it's heating up over there El Trafico quarterfinal they're all going to be played this weekend so right. we'll check in with them on Monday uh, is there anything else we need to talk about today Musa Gwanga? I think we are good I think that's it I like these little midweek when there's, just, when there's not Champions League like when there's not men's Champions League yeah that just acts as like a I don't know like a big vacuum mm, of course you can dive around a little bit I like the midweek a mixture of midweek games and love it. Yeah, it's nice. Um, sure you don't want to add anything? Nothing to no no books coming out, no books written, started, finished, translated. Um, not for me, but actually, quick shout out, uh, Callum Jacobs. Yes, he's got his new project out, the island. Finally, yes, you, it's might out have, there. you might have remembered us shouting this out a long time ago. Yeah, it's a brilliant. It's finally dropped. Caricom the island. Go to caricom.uk. Find out all the info you need. And uh, yeah, props to Callum. Glad that's finally done. Yeah. And out there. Yeah. Let's get out of here. All right. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. And uh, don't forget, Wrighty's House is back next Tuesday. Stadio is back next Monday. And also, don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on a classic by Martin, a track called Vancouver. And uh, I recommend playing this one loud. Absolutely. Anything you want to add? Know, anything you want to add, Musa Wonga? Nothing further. Lovely. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Monday. See you then.
Wow, wow, wow. 